Welcome to the Callaway Golf Podcast, part of the Callaway Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jeff Newbarth. Welcome to the Callaway Golf Podcast. We're live in the office. Joined by Christian Hafer, photographer extraordinaire. Is that your official title or did I just make that up? No, that's official. It's on my card, yeah. All right, that's nice. Um, I don't even know how to spell extraordinaire, right? We're excited to chat with you, uh, but mostly we're excited as part of the Callaway Podcast Network to get your questions at home for Hafe. Um, so on Facebook, on Twitter, call me, here's my cell number, whatever. Just ask your question for Hafe. We'll get him to answer questions for, the, what, the next six or seven hours? Is that cool? Uh, what? <laughs> right, exactly. All right, let me jump right into it. Um, got a bunch of questions for you, but the one I want to start with is because I always love the pictures with uh, you and your son, and yeah. uh, I find that relatable because my son just asked for 34 um, Chick-fil-A nuggets tonight because he's 14 and eats everything in sight. Um, he played his first golf tournament this weekend. I don't care about how he oh, did, cool. won or lost or whatever, but what was the encouragement you gave him? That's the most important thing, right? Yeah, he... He played like his first solo golf tournament. He'd mm-hmm. done some, some you know, junior PGA league stuff, mm-hmm. and really we just asked him if he had fun at the end of it. I didn't really care what he shot, um, and then he had his second one a few days later in one of the push carts. So, nice. and I told him he needed to shoot a fifty-three okay. or better to get a push cart. And um, did he? He did. He on a number, so. <laughs> He didn't. He didn't. He's already learned early not to uh, not to over deliver. Yeah, totally. Right on the number. Was there like a was there like a putt for the push cart where you like yelled at him like right before the putt like this one's for the trolley. Uh, <laughs> I unfortunately was in Wisconsin, so oh. I was getting live updates from my wife. But he he did really well and he had a good time and you know he's he's nine and banging around a golf course all the summer. So that's he's, awesome. He's living. Definitely, definitely worse things to be doing. Well, before we let you go later, uh, I want to help everybody by getting a few tips from you for those of us who uh, maybe have sure. a little less fancy equipment than you use when you're you're out there shooting uh, uh, the the game's best on the PGA Tour. Um, one of the things I want to ask you about is crowds. Uh, the PGA Tour announced this week no more crowds for the rest of the season, and crowds as a photographer are part of the the, the landscape that you either a have to navigate to. So you might get better access at some of the majors coming up, but you won't have that. That, that that window dressing to the photo- uh, sure. to the photography how are lack of crowds going to affect you and the art that you create I think um, at a place like you know Augusta and the masters it, it's going to be very different um, just because that's the only tournament where we are outside the ropes we're with the patrons so mm-hmm. now we're not going to have you know anything and I liked having patrons and frames and the colors and you know you you would see these see the sea of people and backgrounds and not that it's going to be bad it's just going to be different you've now got um these really clean lines whereas you might go to some tournaments and you'll just see kind of white tarps and tents and things in the background i think now it'll be a little bit cleaner um and now less fans will be yelling at me to get out of their way. <laughs> well, yeah, because you have that gigantic lens, and you're, like, blocking everybody's yeah. view and yeah, everything. They, and Yeah. I always have to remind them I have kids, so, you know, sorry, but yeah. I got to kneel here. All right. Um, here's something I wanted to ask you. Tell me a couple sneaky good courses that, you know, it's always easy to say, oh, what are the five best courses in the world? Because people's lists are, are kind of consistent. But tell me some sneaky good courses, because one of the things I love about the work you do for golf.com and, and, and for your own channels um, are just highlighting some hidden gems. Tell me a couple you've uncovered recently. Uh, there's there's a really good one in um, 
in Michigan, it's called Wawashkamo. Okay. I'm probably butchering that, but That's you know, late 1800s, no irrigations, nine holes. There's one hole that's, you know, has a ring of fires, what they call it. So it's just fescue ring that guards the green instead of bunkers. Oh wow! So it's just quirky stuff like that. Um, How do you walk through it to get to? Do you have to like climb through the fescue to get to the green, or is there an opening? You there's a little opening uh, through the center, but it's maybe you know four or five feet wide, hmm. and the rest of the green, you know, it's a it's a foot tall fescue and probably about a foot deep. So if you get your ball in there, it's it's yeah. dead, um, which I did do. But you know, and outside of Philly, there's there's a lot of great stuff where I'm kind of close to Philadelphia. There's Jeffersonville, which is an old Donald Ross it's mm-hmm. a municipal course. You could play for 20 bucks there's lulu which has like a play day for non-members old donald ross right across the street from manufacturers which has a volcano hole um there's galen hall um, that has some finley and tilling has and that's 20 bucks and has one of the oldest moat holes in the u.s so especially in the northeast there's a lot of really good quirky old courses that people can just go play um Obviously, the condition of some of them is going to vary, but yeah. it's all part of the fun. Nice. All right. We got a question from Ron Fortson on Facebook. When is your next trip to St. Andrews? We need to play another round. Sounds like Ron uh, could be texting you that as opposed to like my, asking that in front of everybody. Ron. Yeah. Hi, Ron. So, yeah. So I serendipitously, I almost didn't play the old course. And then as heaven would have it, two people dropped out and I ended up becoming the fourth person in Ron's oh, that's group. That's pretty good. And Ron you know, owns a home there and he travels there often. And so we ended up golfing with the mayor of St. Andrews and, you know, great guy and a very memorable round. Nice. All right. Uh, next one from Mike Atkinson on Twitter. What's the best way to build your portfolio, build your portfolio when you are first starting in the industry? Uh, I think before worrying about building a portfolio is building kind of a visual voice, building your style. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to put out a portfolio or a body of work if you don't really know what you're trying to say or what you're trying to do. So try and figure that part out first and, and then the work will kind of fall in line. Okay. And for people who want to see your portfolio, it's Hafe underscore life, Hafe underscore life. Um, so go check that, uh, go check that out. Um, in terms of the majors, are, are, are those your favorite? you know, pro tournaments to shoot in terms of just, um, you know, I know Augusta's obviously the same every year, but the other three rotate, or are, are there certain tournaments? I saw you at Riviera. That's that's probably my one of my favorite tournaments on the PGA Tour schedule. Are there certain ones you look forward to shooting more than others? Not such so much for the field, but for the kind of surroundings? Yeah, the majors always, I mean, the majors are great, um, especially the U.S. Opens, like just because they pick out these venues that, you know, you know, like Wingfoot this year. Um, last year was great at Bethpage, and and there are these just big American courses that you know you you want to see and you want to shoot differently as a photographer. You want to try and find new ways to show not only the course from a landscape perspective, but also mm-hmm. the action um, in the tournament. And so typically you're going to get really beautiful backdrops, which makes our job easier um, at majors. But you know, the BMW Championship is always held at some prime yeah. prime spots and that's always fun once you start getting into the playoff stretch it's like you know shooting fish in a barrel so yeah then you get to atlanta and always pretty good um this name i'm going to butcher so i'm not even going to try on uh, youtube what is the most difficult hole to take photos at the masters 
Um, I don't know if any of them are difficult to take a photo at. It's it depends on what you're trying to convey, and I think that you know everybody talks about trying to show the slope and and mm-hmm. how drastic some of the fall offs are. And you know, two is a pretty prime example of it. Once yeah. you get up to the fairway and you actually see how far you're dropping off from that bunker on the right, mm-hmm. you just can't really convey that through you know either video or stills. Um, so I'd say two is pretty difficult, but it's really. It's not a tough course to photograph, that's for sure. I, I would say uh, four and six are hard because six, you have that huge elevation change, but four, you, you yeah. cannot capture in a still image how hard that hole is and how far that 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 tee box is back. And, and then when the ball hits on the green, there's what, like a you know a five-yard wide area where if it hits in there, it'll curl to the left to the front hole location. Otherwise, it's just gone. I don't know how you capture that. Exactly. That's it, a video I thing. Mean, that's a video. Yeah, it, sometimes you just don't use right. a camera. Like this a name, camera. this next one, Penny. I, I don't know how to say her last name. Have you always been a photographer by trade? No, um, I started photography when I was fourteen in high school, and um, I did it for a while. And then I had a family, and I needed to actually be able to provide for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that for a while. Um, I still shot a little bit. And when I was moving into a more corporate job and then, um, obviously didn't love it, didn't like it at all. And, and started, you know, trying to work back into photography. And at the time it was not golf photography. Um, that, that kind of just happened on its own over the last few years. Penny's follow-up is, are you at Jeff's house? There seem to be Emmy trophies behind you. I mean, she thinks I'm like the only person that is as one. Obviously you got your own. What do you got back uh, there? No, these are these are not mine. I got these off of eBay. Nice. Um, yeah, you gotta oh, go the other go. way. No, I'm at my buddy's house. Uh, nice. Uh, up in Rye, New York. Oh, great area. A lot of good golf in uh, in Westchester. Penny wanted to know if you were at my house. No, Penny. Penny also wants pe- to remind people that Penny Candle Company is available for lovely gifts. Uh, next one from Rod Wiley. How do you f- how did you feel about the first time you photographed Tiger Woods? It's kind of surreal. Um, I had met Tiger years ago at a small event, and and then fast forward to the first time that I really photographed Tiger in a tournament setting was you know last year's Masters, mm-hmm. and so to kind of see that all kind of call, come to a head on Sunday and at twelve, um, and that's probably one of my favorite photos I've ever taken, um, just because of one I love the way it looks, but two it's that culmination of so much and that was kind of the turning point for me in that tournament so it was it was pretty surreal and then now it's kind of like old hat which you know is a is a really great thing that i can say that all right i don't want to blow your brand as someone who gets to play some awesome public golf courses but you did win a little uh, a little media drawing uh down in I georgia did. and and got, got got to play the golf course um is there is there something memorable about that day that made you appreciate it even more other than probably how hard it is or or what what did you take away from getting out there on that golf course yeah we were the last group um and so you were in the lead that's amazing yeah yep um i was i was leader in the clubhouse with probably 120 love it (laughs) Uh, but it what i noticed about that course was not just it was very subtle how difficult it is i mean obviously you know the greens are hard you know you know playing out of the bunkers but it's 
if you miss your landing area on the fairway by even a yard or two, mm-hmm. it puts you in a very bad spot. Um, it's it's a very difficult course in the fact that it has no rough, but yet, you know, it's moving your ball towards pine straw and into the trees or into hazards constantly. So it, it was a, a big learning curve very quickly, but I played all right. I almost, almost got an ace on uh, 16. Um, that would have been nice. Been that yeah, would have been, been nice. That would have been a cool moment, yeah. but I don't yeah. think they would have given me much more than the flag. No, they would have given you the barbell. Um, T. Ritt from YouTube wants to know, do you prefer for photography first light or sundown? Or uh, both? Sunset. Sunset. Good, me too. First I mean, light's way I'll too early. Both, but I, I, yeah. if I only could pick one, I'd pick sunset. Yeah, way too early. Um, all right, let's give people a little bit of help. So so most of us who are uh, wannabe photographers, and, and you know from my text to you that I'm uh, in that wannabe category, uh, we use our iPhones most of the time. And, and look, I've heard every photographer say it, the best camera for you is the one you always have with you. Um, you have the best camera in the world, and if it doesn't have, have it with you when you're out at that moment. So give me a couple tips, and, and by me I mean our, our, our listeners and viewers, um, that'll help them take better golf course-specific photographs? Um, Well, stay tuned to golf.com because I'm working on a little series. Oh, really? That's a great idea. Do I get credit for this idea? I get a lot of DMs about Hmm. this, you know, what's my first camera, what lens should I buy, or, you know, how do I take better photos? So I'm not the only one who bugs you with this. Good. No, no, I should start (laughs) charging for this. No, Uh, you shouldn't. You're you're exempt. Okay, you're good. Anyway. Then you so, can charge. Um, but yeah, so, let's help people. I think the biggest thing is focus on your composition, um, and a real easy way to do that is when you pull up your camera. Is have there's a called a grid, mm-hmm. so it's a little rule of thirds, and you know the, the strongest thing that makes an image work is the way it's composed. You know you can you can butcher the saturation and the color later, but if you don't compose it well, your photo just won't ever work. Mm-hmm. So the, the one rule I'd give to people is learn, you know, some sort of composition, whether it's rule of thirds or, you know, whatever else you want to do. That's typically where I suggest people start because it's the easiest. And what you want to do is you have these intersections in the grid. So these four points mm-hmm. put, it will be on the bottom right of the corner or the frame, bottom left, top, you know, so-and-so. And then when you're shooting a landscape, just try and have your horizon match up on one of those horizontal lines that's the easiest way you can start is by composing your image well all right um in terms of golf course specific photography though do you you know if, if you're out there with your buddies and you're at one of these bucket list golf courses and you yeah. know a lot of times if you have a caddy with you they'll be generous enough to take some photos and they've probably taken the photo four billion times so they'll be pretty good at it but if you're out yeah. there with your buddies in some golf carts what what are your tips to try to make sure you come home and and have those memorable moments captured uh, you know, try and change up your point of view. So not always shooting directly behind the person. Um, yep. You know, with a lot of iPhones, you you naturally have a wider lens. So use that as a benefit. So if there's a bunker in the image, try and use that as a shape in the foreground or somewhere to kind of add a little bit of weight to the image. And by weight, that just means, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're building something into the frame that it's not just all fairway. You just don't want like a little speck of a person and then fairway. Um so, you know, if they're putting things like that, try and get higher, get lower, change your change your ankles up, move around a lot, and just kind of experiment. You know, you're you're not going to publish any of them, and so there's no reason not to try something different. Yeah, one of the tips I was talking to Browning about it earlier, and we were 
coming up with a list of questions for you, and we have thousands of them, um, was when I worked with Matt Janella, Matt used to always say, find the highest part on the hole, you know, the highest part you can get to, and then get on your golf cart and then, like, stand up on, on not on the seat, but at least stand up a little bit on the golf cart to get as high as you can to kind of get that different yeah. perspective or get really, really low and, really and, and low, try yeah. something. He said, if you do everything at eye level, you know, you're just kind of, it's, it's not going to be as unexpected. Flat, it's flat. And, yeah, yeah, just flat. Well, so. and too, a lot of golf courses, you know, you're bunkering to greens. There's, it's mm-hmm. layers of, of visual interest. So getting higher, you see more of it getting lower. You, you potentially mm-hmm. will see, you know, different, a different vantage point of it. So yeah, change your perspective. All right. Um, one of the things I love about whether it's you, whether it's Cliff, whether it's Jason, any of the photographers we work with when we're shooting with our tour pros is um, how you kind of put yourself a little bit in the uh, the realm of danger. The good news is that they're tour pros, so they're not going to, to – yeah. like if I was hitting, you wouldn't get anywhere close to where, where you get no. with those guys. But has there been a moment or, or where you've been sitting there like, I don't know if I should be here to try to get this image? And, and, and if there is, please tell us about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so – Kyrdek, uh, <laughs> it, w- it was at the player shoot, I think two years ago mm-hmm. and we were having them hit irons over me and, you know, you can get closer. Don't, you know, don't worry about it. And he's like, Oh, right. I'm not worried. And he, he hit one that I think I couldn't have been more than like three inches off my, off the top of my head. I mean, wow. I felt it in my skull as a whiz by you. Past. Yeah. So that, that was a pretty funny one. And he kept bringing it lower. Like, full confidence in it and that's just what i've noticed is a you know these guys they're just their ball control is unreal and so you ask yeah. them to do something and they're like yeah that's fine i can do that yeah i've never once had a tour pro say that i'm not comfortable with anything so yeah and and the other trick we always try to do is is if they're hitting right at us we try to get a find an area where they're up a little bit higher so we can still get that cool perspective but but have yeah. a couple feet of uh of of a window a just, just in case just in case <laughs> yeah i always find that fun the other thing i love about your photography um especially some of the video that uh, that lex was showing me over the weekend some of the drone stuff um yep. can you talk to me about using the drone on the golf course um you know do you Again, if, if lots of our listeners probably have these drones and stuff at home, you know, what, what advice would you give them in, in terms of, of doing it and not slowing down pace of play, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, I obviously I do this for a living, so typically I'm droning before or after my round, or mm-hmm. I'm not even playing and I'm just there to work. Uh, so if you're if you're gonna take a drone out on course, you know, do it after or before your round and obviously get permission from the clubs. It's a mm-hmm. big Typically, it's a big no-no, and typically, it's something that a lot of clubs don't want, and they're putting policies in place to, yeah. you know, protect against that. So, you know, for for me, if I'm going out, and there are instances where I'll go out and play, and it's super slow out there, and you know, I'll say, hey, you know, can I throw my drone up? And if they say no, okay, cool, you know, no problem. Um, if they say yes, then you know, you just gotta make sure that you're safe and smart and. Trust me, I've crashed a lot of drones in my yeah. day. So we've had we've had one crash here not too long ago. I won't say who did it, but uh, it uh, it ended up hey, where it know, was. It wasn't me. It was ended up hanging upside down in a tree, <laughs> looking at a snowman uh, with some Christmas lights around it. I'll just leave it at that. That's pretty, that's pretty good. The best part All is right. the person knows who I'm talking about. They know what they did. Um, yeah, you I can love. Text me. Yeah, I will. I love the uh, the aerial perspective that you get on some of these golf courses. It's just something different, and um, you know, especially uh, you know, last year at the U.S. Open at Pebble, uh, we had the one over the water that that basically covered that whole coastline from the seventh green yeah. all the way down to to the tenth tee, and then back on on seventeen and eighteen. You, you you can't beat that perspective. No, it is. I mean, it's 
drones have have changed i mean a lot of the game not just golf but you know a lot of cinematographers and photographers it's just it's taken it to a whole nother level and and so it's i was reluctant to get into them but you know it's now it's now part of the arsenal yeah yeah how many so when when you travel for a major uh go through it with us how many how many camera bodies how many drones how many uh batteries lenses Etc. If I'm going, if I'm going to shoot like a major tournament, obviously I'm not allowed to fly a drone or anything yeah. like that. So, I'm, I'm typically taking three camera bodies. Um, two, two are kind of my main ones of backup, just in case anything happens. Uh, I usually have a film camera of some sort with me. Um, so whether that's like a, you know, like an old Nikon F100 or a medium format camera. Um, then always have my Leica with me, um, just in case. It, it may be in a week we'll do, you know, a hundred shots, but mm-hmm. it's always good to have. But typically, it's it, I shoot primes a lot, so I, you know, I'll have a seventy to two hundred and a wider lens, um, and then my four hundred, and that's pretty much what I stay with is a four hundred and seventy two hundred, and then I'll swap to a wider lens on on the on the seventy two hundred body. And do you find that the primes um, help develop the look that you want, or is it more a case that that's what you're comfortable with? So you you always just whatever you're comfortable with as a photographer, that's what you should stay with. Yeah, for me, I I I like the quality of primes over zooms, um, but I what I like more so is I like the fact that it makes me work a little bit harder. So I. I'm not getting complacent and just being able to punch in from 70 to 200. Yeah, I've yeah. got to like get up and move. I've got to, you know, or if there's people in my way and I cannot get them out, I've got to find a way to make the best photo in that moment that I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you never know what could happen. So, you know, it, to me, it was, it was part of the, the intent last year was shooting all the majors with just primes if I could and helping develop that look that I was kind of going for. And how many pictures will you take at a typical major throughout the the entire week? Not a lot comparatively, um, just because I'm fortunate in the sense that I don't have to go out there and, you know, it's one guy, so I don't have to go out there and sit on a hole and get every player. I'm kind of bouncing around and trying to tell the story and Mm -hmm. I'm trying to tell how the day's unfolding. So in a day with, and, you know, you got to factor in the fact that you've got like an A9 that's shooting 20 frames a second. So mm-hmm. when I do some bursts, it'll be anywhere from 4,000 photos a day, probably less than that mm-hmm. um, total across all the bodies. That's crazy. Um, Tim Rittenhouse, YouTube, wants to know, do you plan your shoots with a list of assets or shots? Uh, it, it depends on on the, the shot. Like, what are we, are we doing a cover shoot? Are we doing, you know, a... Uh, an editorial thing or as a landscape thing for a client or, you know, whatever it may be. But typically it's assets because you don't really know what you're going to get unless you've been there before. Um, unless it's like a cover shoots a little bit more predictable or a product shoot, you know, what, what images you want in the bank, but most everything else is, you know, you're just trying to get that overall deliverable back to whoever, whoever you're working for, or whoever you're helping tell the story for. You, you want to say, okay, I can get you five or 10 assets. And then once you get out there, you kind of see what it is and how it evolves. All right. A few more questions here. We're here with uh, Christian Hafer, photographer extraordinaire. It's on his business card. He said it earlier. Um, 
What's your favorite course to shoot? Man, all of tough. them. That's so yeah, I mean, I, 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 th- I really enjoy like you, we kind of touched on earlier. I like going out to, you know, kind of some of the off the beaten courses that you don't really think about. I mean, you know, I was fortunate enough to to play some really great courses in in my life and and shoot a lot of them, and they're all amazing. Bandon's amazing, Sand Valley's amazing, Cabot's amazing. Cypress, you know, all these places are amazing, but finding these little kind of gym courses that most people would kind of pass off as scruffy and, Mm -hmm. you know, not worth anything and trying to find images that get people really excited to go play there. That to me is what I, I enjoy doing the most. All right. Um, if you had to shoot with one body lens combo, what would it be? And then let me flip that and say, if you were advising those who are kind of just getting going into it for a uh, body lens combo, what would it be? Well, um, if I could only have one camera the rest of my life and one lens, mm-hmm. it would probably be probably a Leica M uh, with a like a fifty, just because for me I could I could do a lot with that um, that focal length. I could essentially do everything from portraits to landscapes to you know sports. Um, I obviously would not be able to do some of the stuff I can do with an A9, but the you know the look and the feel mm-hmm. of it would be there. For most people, I would say, obviously it's budget based, but just get a camera that get a camera that fits your budget and get a, a good prime fifty. Um, if you're going to shoot a lot of sports focused stuff, so you've got maybe you have kids or things like that, you know, having a good zoom. Is, is always somewhere to start. So a 24 to 70 is, is a great lens for kids. Um, and it's a good lens to take out on a course and shoot course stuff. Uh, so I would, I would suggest people start with a zoom. I know that's counter to like my philosophy as a photographer, mm-hmm. but most people probably don't want to go head first into being a photographer. They just want to be able to get some good photos and having a zoom gives you that flexibility. Yeah. And the other thing it does is if you tell everyone to get a zoom and you stay with prime, it makes your images look, look special. Keeps them standing out. I got where you're going there, right? This is a good question from James. Who are some of your favorite photographers or creators, past and present, or present? Um, I mean, I kind of grew up on street photography, and, and there was a photo by Henry Carter Brisson that's the reason I became a photographer and interested in photography. Um, and so, you know, Brisson was a is a a huge influence on me and, and a lot of old street photographers that nobody's going to know much about, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of, it's interesting right now, especially in golf, there's a lot of really, really good stuff being put out by a lot of great photographers. And some of them are career photographers. And a lot of these guys are just kind of coming up and, you know, figuring out their way and, you know, developing their eyes. So it's pretty interesting to see because, you know, five, six years ago, that's kind of where I was. I was still trying mm-hmm. to figure out how I was shooting golf courses. And now yeah. I think it's like, it's a pretty good community of guys out there. Yeah, totally. Tim Rittenhouse again, carts or caddies? <laughs> Come on. Caddies all yeah. day. Support caddies, baby. Yeah, that's definitely something that, uh, especially if, if, you know, I would think photography wise, it would be um, yeah. a heck of a lot better not having golf carts, you know, putting ruts in golf courses and stuff like that. That, I mean, and the time it, when you're walking, someone else carrying your bag. It's it's so layered for me. I mean, it's you know, if I'm going to a course and I have to pick between a cart and a caddy, obviously I'm gonna pick a caddy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I try and always take a junior caddy. Um, 
but that gives me the flexibility to kind of move around and shoot where I need to shoot and, you know, find different things. And if I'm in a cart, I feel kind of locked to that, feel locked to the cart path. I'm missing photos. Plus cart path just kind of, in my opinion, ruin golf courses mm -hmm. from a photographer's perspective. Um, it just, it takes away so much of the intent of a lot of these great old courses when you see these little concrete scars show up on yeah. the fairway or next to the fairway. All right. Trolley or uh, carrying it over your shoulder? Carry. Okay. What else could I do? I think I'm out of categories of things that I can do to how you get around a golf course. Um, Christian Haber, thanks, <laughs> yeah. for, thanks for spending some time with us. And what, it's, uh, what are we going to be looking for you from uh, on the golf.com world coming up soon? You, you hinted there's a little instructional how-to series. What else are you working on? Little, little something, um, working on a few other projects, um, nice. some more video focused stuff and, uh, keep trying to push some of this travel stuff and, and show some, some cool different sides of golf that people might not know about. Nice. Well, if you uh, have some free time as you're traveling around, a couple more podcasts you want to listen to on the Callaway podcast network, the fitting room went live, uh, this morning, um, and it had Phil Kenyon on. Probably the Sweet. best putting coach in the, on, on the planet. Uh, Sean Toulon and Nate talked to Phil Kenyon. Always love hearing from Phil. I got a chance to have dinner with him in, uh, at Riv out in uh, L.A. I got to see you and him in the same day. It really was one of my banner days. Um, and we almost got hit by golf balls multiple times to the right there as, <laughs> as balls were flying over there. And then uh, we have another almost an hour with Henrik Stenson, Stenson launching this Thursday. Uh, he's coming back in a couple weeks. He, uh, he, he will be back for Memphis, but he had some really great comments. And do you remember in 2009, when uh, at Doral on the, uh, the third hole, it was, it was his backside, but he played the third hole. He had a ball in the mud, and he was wearing a beautiful yellow shirt and some white pants and decided, well, I, I can hit this ball out of the mud, but I can't ruin my look. I don't want it to look good. So he stripped down to his uh, tidy whities and hit a ball out. He told us a story and uh, broke it all down. It's, it's a lot more than, uh, than what I just said there. So you're going to want to check those out while you're traveling around the, uh, the country. I will do. All right. Well, that's Christian Hafer. Thanks so much for joining us. Next week on the Callaway Golf Podcast, someone else will be sitting here because I won't be. I'm taking a couple weeks off. Um, Lex will jump in or someone will jump in or maybe Hafer will host or Browning will host or I, I don't know who's going to host. But I would tell you who the guest is, but I got no clue. I'm going on vacation. So anyway, thanks everybody so much for listening. You guys have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next time on the Callaway Golf Podcast.